0: Welcome to the Full FX Podcast, Currency Matters. My name is Colin Lambert. I'm publisher of the Full FX. And for this edition, I'm delighted to be joined by Sam Horowitz, who is uh, Head of FX Distribution Liquidity Management at CMC Markets Connect. Sam, thanks for joining the podcast.
1: Very happy to be here, Colin.
0: You recently sort of transited from a consultant's role to full-time role at um, CMC Markets Connect there, so I thought it'd be really good to sort of talk to you about your experience there and and how you're sort of you know, managing liquidity for your clients and I guess for yourself because you know, you are a conduit in in part on you so so what approach do you take to the distribution and collation of liquidity at CMC Markets Connect?
1: OK, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's worth bearing in mind a couple of things, one, one of which is that there are, as, as we know, within the market, there are strata of firms that, that purport to do liquidity provision. And at, you know, at one of the market, there are large whole scale you know, internalizers uh, with genuinely unique IP in their price construction, internalization limits, um, and, a, and, and a portfolio approach to risk management. And at the other end, are firms where it's, it's more of a redistribution product. And one might assume, you know, w- with a completely external look at CMC Markets, that it's a it's a firm coming from a retail background to build a an offer an institutional offering in in the CMC Connect brand. And you might assume that it's nearer the the, the redistribution end of the spectrum. But in fact, the the liquidity we provide is genuine. We we internalise a very large amount of our flow at the moment. Um, obviously, at the moment we're busy building out a Connect brand and an institutional offering where we broaden the reach into more traditional wholesale lit and, you know, and ECN type venues. Um, but there's genuine IP in the price construction and there's genuine internalization in the risk management process. And therefore, the way we do this might look more like a, a larger institution to somebody coming in from outside.
0: Yeah, so I mean, and obviously that then that has to be supported by a capital base of sorts, which gets because the company is listed, isn't it?
1: The the company's listed um and there's um a fairly substantial owner ownership component, but also there's a there's a free flow to it and it's it's cash rich, well capitalized. And I think as as I came in, one of the things I hadn't realized is that one of the marketing sites here is that we are one of the one of the world's oldest fintechs. It's the the actual original CMC brand was one of the very first online trading platforms for FX. And so you come here now and it still looks like a fintech to me. It doesn't, it doesn't look like a large, cumbersome behemoth to me. It's it's got all the good bits of a large organisation in terms of its if its scale and its scope and its reach and its and its cash reserves and and willingness to deploy them to to continue to evolve the product, but in fact you look around and everybody codes everybody has access to tick data it's it's very nimble, um, yeah you know, we sit side by side with the quants and the, and the developers so in that respect it it definitely feels like a fintech to me
0: yeah and I suppose it's interesting is it because philosophically LPs have become more like fintechs over the last few years, anyway, haven't they? But it does. Does this sort of mean that you have the advantage of being nimble? Because obviously, you know, we all know about the stories of you know trying to get some tech change done at huge institutions.
1: And, and I've very much lived that story in, <laughs> in the past. Um, yeah, we are nimble. I'm, look, if you, if you're coming in relatively late to a, to anything, you you need to accentuate the positives. And, and we're late latest to market in the institutional space. But then there are all sorts of reasons why that can be celebrated as a good thing we don't we don't have a massive brownfield dependency in our build. we are doing a replatforming from some parts of our stack but but mostly when we need to build stuff and we need to deploy anything new particularly into the pricing and risk management framework which is which is wholly owned it's 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 relatively greenfield um and that, and that does mean we're able to implement stuff
0: so I, I assume then I mean so how are you dealing with sort of you know when the kind of questions you'll get from clients in the institutional space are very much around, you know, skews and the information leakage. How how are you dealing with that?
1: Well, I mean, in very very general terms, part of part of the ethos here is is that we want to be viewed at the top end of of client outcomes and, and the kind of behaviours we have internally. So we try to have a very open dialogue with our clients. Um, in terms of our product, yes, there is some proprietary skew in there, and there will be there will be places where it's suitable to to distribute that skew, and places where it's it's less appropriate to do that. But again, all those conversations we're able to have on a relatively open basis with our clients. Um, there's you know there's there's no attempt to sort of latency arb or do any of these other things that are you know historic the market behaviours that we're all well aware of, and that, you know the global code and, and other initiatives are, are seeking to mitigate. Uh, We've just come from a very different part of part of the of the world.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and obviously, you are signatories to the code.
1: We are signatories to the code, yeah, and um, and and busy drafting our additional guidances for for the other other, all the other stuff that people are providing extra clarity on.
0: Because it's interesting to me, you know, philosophically. I mean, obviously, um, it sounds like what we would consider a non bank market maker operation. Um, but obviously, on a with 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 its own sort of unique service proposition, isn't it?
1: I think that's the only way to gain any traction in this market. I think there is genuinely space for new market participants if you look outside the top four or five in the you know the EuroMoney rankings or however else you want to do these rankings. Um, Internalisation has, has tended to drift slightly lower. Risk limits have drifted lower, and and at the same time as clients want to curate their liquidity pools in a slightly different way to the way they did five or ten years ago. And so if somebody can bring that to market, then they have something I think that the street would find interesting and and, and compelling. But obviously, what I don't think there's really any need for is yet another redistributor of other people's alpha and other people's liquidity and and very small risk pockets.
0: Yes, well, you and I Hundred percent agree on that point. At least I would say <laughs> <laughs> recycling is is the bane of this world and, and has been for many years. I mean, so in terms of like looking at the sort of, I guess distribution downstream to your clients, um, are you seeing more and more demand for more bespoke like liquidity pool creation?
1: I think it depends on the the, the customer type and the venue, and, and we're we're still progressing on this journey. We're not a mature business in this space yet, so you know we are busy doing these integrations right now and having these conversations right now. I think less so than completely bespoke liquidity. I think people really need to to look at the qualitative aspects of liquidity. How does it behave? Does it stand up under stress? I think that's a, that's a big requirement for people now. We found we found in you know in the we've had various crises in the last couple of years it's been a it's been a busy and interesting time in the markets and, and you tend to find there who can still stand behind the pricing model when the going gets tough um, and that's true that's true for the traditional you know direct bank market makers it's true for the non-bank market makers and this is true true by default to the recyclers because they're beholden to what everybody else is doing um and i think that's that's hugely important to people
0: and especially at the moment because i mean we have a probably what a lot of people in the industry haven't actually seen, which is sustained volatility. You know, before it was very much a question of, okay, you know, f- relatively quiet markets, you know, lots of pr- lots of you know, price action in a very small range, and then we have a big move. Now it seems to be a lot more sustained, doesn't it?
1: I actually think personally, this is my personal view from you know, coming from a trading and a risk management background. I think sustained volatility, in and of itself, unless it's at you know, completely insane levels, isn't, isn't actually a huge problem what tends to make people struggle a little bit is volatility of volatility variant huge intraday variance in volatility because then you you're flipping between different risk management regimes intraday which which means that if you are you know if you're automatically calibrating your risk management parameters on a daily or weekly basis that that they're more likely to be drifting away from optimal
0: yeah but then i mean like, I, I guess you know this different type of volatility maybe to what we've seen over the last 5 to 10 years is is an opportunity I and mean, is is the timing good for CMC uh, markets? Connect in the fact that this gives you an opportunity to sort of prove your model to your clients and, and actually show your value.
1: Potentially, um, it's, it certainly doesn't hurt us. Um, we're, we're as able as anyone else to react and to this stuff. Um, but, but the main thing is, to, as I say, to make sure that that whatever you whatever your model is, whatever it is you purport to distribute to your clients, try and stick to what it is that they've come to you for in the first place try not to stray too far from from what got you and what got you in front of them in the first place
0: yeah yeah and and obviously be aware of the fact that there are different client types out there i guess with their different needs
1: well absolutely that as well and and, and one of the things i've tried to impress upon the teams i've come in and, and tried to shape what we do in liquidity management is it's it's essentially painting the fourth bridge it's not a with any client no matter how good the qualitative information and even the quantitative information when they're able to share metrics with us no matter how good that is that's a snapshot in time they can change we're, we're typically not pricing into people on a sole basis so it, whatever liquidity pool they're curating themselves or through their technology vendors that that's going to be a constant changing thing as well so where we are in that pool needs to be assessed all the time the, the technology they're using needs to be assessed the way they go to market whether it's where they have multiple users where they have multiple clients underneath because we, we price some people who are obviously pricing downstream as well so you know, you, you can't just you know, pat yourself on the back for a one great meeting or one great call and go, right, we understand these people now.
0: Yeah. I mean <laughs> so if we're talking about moving markets. I think if you're talking about client profiles, I'd imagine they're just as volatile sometimes. How much, I mean, how important is the data analytics framework that you have or you are building there to sort of business growth? Because it strikes me what you're talking about here is a very quant data-driven approach.
1: Oh, it's it's everything. It's 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 absolutely key to everything that we do, and um, it's it's notable. I mean, one of the things that that made me sit up and take notice literally from day one here was that I arrived as a consultant working working for the global head of trading to consult on some aspects of the you know sort of platforming project we're doing, uh, which bore a lot of similarities to to work I'd done and projects I've managed in the past. And the day one process sat down was given a desk and a phone, etc. And was right, okay, here's your. Here's your production. Log into the tick store. Here's 20 years of cross-asset data. If that helps you in, in any way to look at what we're doing and the RD process, off you go. You won't break anything. Here's the data. It was data, data at this firm is democratized in a way that's that's been relatively rare in my experience and the other firms I've worked with. It's not weaponized, it's the absolutely opposite of that. And and that's hugely refreshing. And so bringing bringing a trading and 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 electronic markets mindset over to the the client facing arm here this is what i'm trying to do within the liquidity management team is is make it very data driven
0: and that kind of i I mean probably half answers my next question i guess because you know what i wanted to sort of say is is, you've been in place now um, in a permanent role for a few months but obviously you've been involved with the firm for quite some time now what's your ambition now for the business here what how do you want the business to evolve from here
1: I, I think what we need is six to 18 months of steady growth and distribution because one of the things that we do know as we evolve the institutional business is it. there's no point in assuming it'll be exactly the same as the legacy retail business that the firm has built on. The alpha will be different, the client expectations will be different. So in order to keep the high internalization rates that we enjoy on the retail side and build out and, and continue to offer that as a, as a USP. Uh, we need to be very diverse in our reach in the in the venues that we priced. So, in terms of the way we'll evolve in the next six to eighteen months, um, we have a target list of venues to 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 do integrations to and start providing clients liquidity there. And they're you know they're driven as a two-part process: meeting our clients where they tell us they want to meet us, and also looking at those venues that have characteristics of the flow and of the matching rules and stuff that that suit the risk management ethos here. So I would like to see steady growth in those venues and to gradually evolve the way we configure and curate our liquidity so that it's more and more automated, more and more data-driven. And this is stuff that obviously I work in conjunction with the with the crunch trading team. But the parts of it that are client-facing, we're looking to you know, make more systematic and more automated even than they are now.
0: Yeah. And, and I guess then that gives you the you – know, as you sort of add, you know, venues – where you're connecting with clients, it gives you a degree of flexibility, doesn't it? Because I think, you know, it's quite interesting how some clients that I'm talking to are becoming a lot more, maybe not, maybe mobile is not the exact word, but more flexible in their thinking about what venues they should be on. There are some that just connect everywhere. Then they sort of think about trimming. There are others that connect to two or three places and they actually go, you know what? I would actually don't like these venues. So I guess it helps you going forward if you are already on, you know, the appropriate venues.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, every everybody is now more more concerned about, more savvy about their the minutiae of their transaction costs and their execution experience than they were five, ten years ago. Partly because it's just easier to do it. the 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 equipment required in order to do it at a wholesale level um, and on a systematic basis is is just available to everybody now. So, not only do firms have that capability when they want to, but firms that have a fiduciary responsibility downstream to to investor clients for example are mandated to pay attention to this stuff in the way that they haven't been previously so yeah absolutely they'll they'll look at the minutiae of different venues what the costings are what their execution model is and and yes as you say they'll they'll make switches where where they need to and there are products that make it much easier to do that and and you know on a connectivity basis than, than it was 5 or 10 years ago and
0: and I guess also a lot of this stuff you know the the, the analytics that they using to make these decisions is something you at some stage need to be part of providing if not providing exclusively to to certain clients
1: yeah and there are two ways to do that I mean you can build your own or we have our own you know in-house analytics to look at all of this stuff um and you can also partner with one or one or other of the recognized TCA and execution quality vendors to give you know a quick route to market a fully democratic and independent view of of the flow and, and the markouts and the, and the TCA um, so we'll probably end up doing a combination of these things to be honest and again so to a certain extent we'll, we'll, we'll sit on this for a while build out the distribution piece and then let it be client-led where we where we go next to the analytics because I think it's also very it's, it's a very fast-moving market in itself so what's what's the best thing to do in 18 months might not be the best thing to do now
0: yeah you can say that again <laughs> I would have been a rubbish, rubbish business manager at the moment, I tell you. I think my, my view of the world changes every month. I mean, it strikes me overall that, you know, obviously, and you're fairly well-placed to probably answer this just finally. Um, it does seem to me like the you know, the, the, the framework you have there does, rep, you know, I guess reflect that of a bank.
1: There are parts of what we're doing here that look very much like a larger bank, the research the research process looks looks like a large bank process. Um, I sat in a meeting just yesterday where, with, with some key stakeholders. We were discussing the next steps in our in our SKU model and some other parts of our price construction. And I was just struck again by how high quality the process is here and, and how none of the people that, you know, I sat around the table with would look out of place at, at much larger institutions. Um, and that's a, it's quite a compelling thing to have in a firm like ours.
0: And, and I think it's, I you mean know, it's interesting because, I mean, you know, what our chat has highlighted to me is how you know the nature of liquidity provision in the market, or how the framework of liquidity in the market has changed and is continuing to change, and how you know the expertise that once used to sit in the very few shops is actually available to a lot of other places, which I th- which I think will actually probably become slightly uh, bigger part of the industry discussion going forward.
1: Well, and about time, right? Yes. Well, yeah. About time that about time that you know the, every other aspect of the FX market has been fragmented for a very long time. So we may as well have you know some fragmentation of expertise and and I think it's a good thing. and and what's interesting to me and I you, know, you and I have been in this market long enough to have seen a few cycles is is the quite diverse range of experiences in terms of what people do with their expertise. Loads of people, interesting people, rock up in key seats somewhere and start building a process, a product, a, you know, a liquidity provision. That wasn't there before but what they do with it is interesting because not no two approaches are quite the same
0: and i think that's probably the most exciting thing about it isn't it there's opportunities to differentiate
1: yeah i think i think the key is to do that where it's where it's genuine differentiation but not to do that by trying to reinvent the wheel yeah, for the sake of it um lots of what we do here is 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 not reinventable it's very royal well recognized industry practice um just done in a you know done in a pretty high quality way
0: Well, I wish you all the luck with it because I do think, you know, the deeper liquidity we have, the more or the better the market functions. Sam, thanks very much for joining us today. And hopefully we'll be speaking to you again soon on your, uh, what seems to be a very interesting journey. Thanks very much.
1: It was my absolute pleasure. Thank you.
0: And thanks to all our listeners and we'll be back again soon.
1: Thanks for listening to the Full Effects podcast, Currency Matters. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and you can download previous episodes, register for our newsletter, view our upcoming events and much more at thefullefax.com.